Greetings, church family. I'm so honored to be able to share the Word with you tonight, and I'm so thankful for the technology and these different mediums we have now to, to be able to meet and to be able to study. Uh, I know this is not ideal. I look forward to the days that we are in full function up here, even on Wednesday nights, but, but for now, I just want to welcome you to um, our Wednesday night Bible study. Um, my name is Trey Clinney. I'm the discipleship pastor at Longview Point, and I'm going to be filling in for uh, Brother Derek tonight. So if you'd like to go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12, we're going to be studying uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Our approach tonight is going to be pretty conversational. Uh, sounds kind of funny maybe, but um, it's going to be a chance for us to just kind of look at this passage together, walk through it slowly, look at a couple thoughts, a couple phrases uh, and just kind of break it down and and ask God to help us to be diligent to apply his word uh, while you find your place in Romans chapter 12 I want to share with you uh, just to me the significance of this verse this is one of my favorite verses in scripture and I think it is because it is it is built on the gospel and as believers we have to make sure that we continue to see the gospel as what is of utmost importance. We have to hinge everything that we believe, everything that we do on the reality, the, the truth of the gospel. And if we get out of whack, if we begin to think that the gospel is only for believers, then we start to function in a, a religious set of do's and don'ts. And our relationship with God is not what's primary, but it's what we can do for God. And that's just not what the gospel says. That's not what the gospel's about. And so we'll unpack that in a minute. I just wanted to share with you that this is a very significant verse for me. I love the book of Romans. I love how the Apostle Paul just unpacks the gospel in the first several chapters of this book. And then verse uh, chapter 12 is, is a turning point. And basically he's saying, based on what I've said from the, the beginning of this book, now I want to make this statement. And so that's where we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we bow before You now, thanking You so very much for the salvation that you have provided in Christ Jesus, for the redemption that you have accomplished for our salvation, that you have bought us out of the slavery of sin and death, and you have renewed us, and you have purchased us, and you have made us your children. God, we thank you so very much for the gospel. And Father, now as we seek to study Your Word and apply it to our lives, we pray for grace, we pray for mercy, we pray for understanding. And we pray, Lord, that You would kindle the, 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 
the love in our hearts for You and for Your Word and for Your truth. And by Your Spirit, would You help us to, to apply and to obey Your Word. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's perfect, holy, matchless name. Amen. All right. Y'all ready to dig in? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. A different translation says, in view of God's mercy. So let's pause here. The word therefore you know, and whenever you see therefore, you ask the question, what is it there for? So this therefore is a continuation of the previous chapters. Based on what has already been said, therefore, I appeal for you to do this. Now, what is the previous chapters? Chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way has been spelling out the gospel that, that mankind has been separated from God by sin. That we have no excuse because the conscience that we have bears witness of a moral creator. The, the, the moral judge, the, the creation around us bears witness to a creator who is above all things. We have no excuse. And you know Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. None of us, none of us hit the mark. We fall short. And because of our sin, we are separated from God. We try to do good things as, as human beings. Sometimes it's religious activities. Sometimes it's trying to be morally good. Sometimes it's, it's trying to, to sweep our sin under the rug. But at the end of the day, every single one of us fall short. And because of our sin, we are separated from a holy God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve God's righteous anger, His wrath, His judgment, His punishment. And that the death is the eternal death. It's the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. Because of our sin, what we earn, our wages, is death. So we are separated from God and we deserve His judgment. Now that's not good news, right? <laughs> that's not mercy. That's what is righteous. That's what we deserve because of our sinfulness and our sin nature. We are separated from God. That is, if you will, the bad news. But then what Paul is talking about is the good news. When he says, I urge you in view of God's mercy or by the mercies of God, what is mercy? Mercy is, is kind of the opposite of grace. Grace is a, a free gift that you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. What do we deserve? Separation from God. Eternal punishment. But what is God's mercy? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And then the verse continues, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So, that's God's grace. God offers us a free gift. Not what we do deserve, but what we do not deserve. You don't pay for a gift. A gift is freely given. But a gift does have to be received in order for us to have ownership and application of that gift. 
So the question is, how do we receive God's free gift of grace and mercy, of eternal life? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that God proves His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is also one of my favorite verses. This is the verse that God really used to grip my heart when He was drawing me to Himself. See, I had been trying to clean my life up so that I could come to church and not feel guilty. And the more I tried to be good and the more I tried to be acceptable to God, the more I realized, man, I'm ruined. I can't do it. I cannot clean my life up. I cannot control these ungodly desires. I cannot control my anger, my temper, my, my lust, my, my addictions. I am broken and ruined. I have no hope. And that's when my buddy came. And he said, bro, you can't ever get clean enough to come to a holy God. That is why He came to us. Jesus Christ proves His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, not once we cleaned our lives up, but right where we were, came and died on the cross and paid that penalty. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty, the sin debt that you and I deserve to pay. And that's where mercy comes in. We don't get the death, the punishment that we deserve if we put our faith in Christ. In mercy, God forgives us. He takes the payment that Jesus purchased on the cross of our sin and He applies it to our account and our debt is paid in full. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, I hope that that just gets your heart stirred up with love and appreciation, with awe and reverence, with awe, with amazement, with, with gratitude for the mercies of God. So Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and messed up and sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We deserve death because of our sin. And God offers us a free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. He proves His love for us, Romans 5, 8, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the question is, how do we take this salvation? How do we receive this gift of eternal life? How do we be saved? Fast forward to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Fast forward down just a few verses. Everyone, verse 11, who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Verse 13, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's mercy. That's God's grace. That is the gospel. That is what should spur us on to obey what Paul is about to say in verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12. If we confess with our mouth means that we are making a verbal contract. We are saying, Jesus, you are Lord and I am not. And I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins and I surrender to your Lordship. 
It is a surrender. To believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead is, is to believe the gospel. Jesus, listen, this is one of the best things that I know of. He didn't just willingly, as a perfect sacrifice, one who had never sinned, willingly go to the cross to die and take the penalty that we deserve to pay. But then triumphantly, three days later, the Bible teaches us and many witnesses, eyewitnesses confirmed that He rose bodily from the dead. He's no longer in that grave. He is not in that tomb. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that is good news. When we believe that, and when we put our faith in Christ and we trust that as the only way for us to be right with God, the only way to be saved, and when we surrender, if we really believe that, we, we surrender to His Lordship. The Bible says we will be saved. If we call on His name, we will be saved. And then you fast forward to chapter 12. And Paul says, I urge you, I appeal to you, I, I beseech you, I implore you, in view of God's mercy, because of all that we've talked about, because of the gospel that we just reviewed, you and I just now, offer yourselves. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, I love that verbiage. We do not gain righteousness by a sacrificial system or a religious system or doing religious activities. But you remember what Jesus talked about. If you wish to come after me, then take up your cross daily and follow after me. Don't cling to your life, but whoever loses his life will gain it. He has come that we may have eternal life. When we are born again, think about Ephesians. We're no longer dead in our trespasses, but we are made alive in Christ. We are now living sacrifices. The, the altar of our life is an opportunity to worship God through obedience. Worship isn't just coming and gathering and singing praises to His name, although that is worship. Worship is daily living as sacrifices before God, daily being reminded of His gospel and daily by faith seeking to live a life that honors Him and glorifies Him. So, Here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to ask you to think about where do you stand with Christ? There's two, there's two positions. Maybe some different positions under those two, but two main ones right now. Either we're in Christ or we're not. Either we are children of God or we're not. Either we have been born again or we haven't. Either we are alive in Christ or we're dead in our trespasses. Either we have received the gospel or we haven't. We have repented and by faith placed our, our trust in Christ or not. Tonight, if you are a child of God, let me encourage you, it is only by the grace of God. And once God has forgiven us of our sins and, and once we have been and once we have been brought into His kingdom and then once we've been adopted as His sons and daughters, we don't all of a sudden start working to earn His approval. That's not why we do what we do. I'm afraid that a lot of times after we have been born again and after we have experienced God's grace, we are so prone to go back to this religious system where we start do's and don'ts, check boxes, read the Bible because we're supposed to, pray because we're supposed to, 
go to church because we're supposed to, tithe because we're supposed to. That's not why we do it, not for religious activity. We don't have to do anything to earn God's love, to earn His favor. Let me say it this way. There's nothing that you and I can do to cause God to love us any more. There's nothing we can do to cause Him to love us any less. We do not serve God for righteousness. We serve Him from righteousness because He has made it possible for us to live out His Word by the power of His Spirit, by the renewing of our minds. So the motive of what we're doing is because of His mercy, because of His good gospel, the good news that has saved our souls and every single day is keeping us saved and every day is transforming us a little bit more to be like Christ. It's all about His grace. It's all about His mercy. It's all about His power in us. It's not about us doing things out of religious activity. Before I was saved, I thought that Christianity was a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I was so wrong. It's not. It is a relationship with the Creator of the universe who knows us by name. And we get to commune with Him and hear Him from His Word and be guided by His Spirit and to pray to Him about anything on our heart and, and to trust Him even in horribly disturbing times to have peace because of knowing that He is our God and He is our, our, our Savior and our Keeper, the, the, the author and perfecter of our faith. And there's also another type of person, those who don't know Christ. So I want to pause real quick and just invite you. If you're, you're listening tonight and, and this is not resonating, if, if you've not believed on Christ and you've not called out to His name and, and asked Him for, the, for salvation, if you've not surrendered to His Lordship, even if you've grown up in church, even if you have been being a pretty good person according to worldly standards, according to um, other people, I want to just challenge you. There's no one that is righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short. Every one of us, even if we're not as bad as the next guy, still falls short of God's perfection and we need His salvation. So if you're not trusting in Christ tonight, my, my, I implore you to do that. Fall on your face before a holy God and confess your sin and ask Him to come into your life and to forgive you and to restore you and to 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 save your soul. I promise you, you will not regret it. So, if you are in Christ tonight, Paul says, because of the gospel, because of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Live in a way that honors and worships God. He says, holy and acceptable to God. Now, let me remind you, the only way we can be holy the only way we can be a saint, the only way we can be acceptable to God is through the blood of Christ. But that is positionally. When God looks at you and I, those of us who have put our faith in Christ and been saved and been born again, He sees the perfection of His Son. It's called the imputed righteousness of Christ and it is good. We are acceptable only because of Christ. That's positionally. But practically, you and I are still called to live holy lives. We're still called to live a life that is set apart, that is other from the world, that is different than before, a life that is lived out for God's glory, for His favor, for His pleasure. What does that look like? Paul said it's holy 
It is set apart. It is different. And it is acceptable. Well, how do we know what is God's holy and acceptable will? Keep reading. As we do this, we're worshiping God. In verse 2, we're told, Do not be conformed to this world. Another translation says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't live like the world. Those who are not in Christ. The, this age around us. I think about our context. We live in America. Those of us at Longview Point. What is the... The worldview around us, more and more secular, more and more is it's, uh, about scientific and it's more and more it's about hedonism. If it feels good, just do it. There's, there's peer pressure that our teenagers have to deal with. And, and honestly, it's not just teenagers. You and I as adults know we, we, we deal with peer pressure as well. The American dream, if you will, think about it, is all about health, wealth, and prosperity. Right? When I survey just American culture in general, I think that two of our biggest idols are comfort and security. We will pay a whole lot of money to be comfortable. We'll pay a whole lot of money to feel safe. And when either one of those two things are, are disrupted, we get grumpy about it, don't we? Think about how rampant immorality is in our culture. Think about what is acceptable now on television versus even 30, 40, 50 years ago. The pattern of this world that is running from God or... Even more specifically, think about the pattern of your lifestyle before you came to Christ. That's not who we're called to be anymore. We're called to be different. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not have a worldly, do not view the world. Now listen, this is where the rubber really hits the road, and I, I don't have time to meddle. We can't let the world dictate to us how to see the things going on around us. We have to let God's word dictate how we see the world around us. Before I was saved, I saw things a lot differently. I saw things from a carnal perspective. When Christ saved me, and as I began to get into the Word, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God's Word began to renew my mind, began to renew the way that I saw everything. I mean, think about the Beatitudes. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I'm telling you, turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. That's not of this world. Think about all the things that... that that we are transformed from. Forgive your enemy. Love your enemy. That's not of the world. Don't slander. Don't mock. Don't scorn. That's not of the world. Don't show partiality. Don't look down on people because of their status. That's not of the world. 
I mean, I can think back even in high school, growing up, man, there were cliques everywhere. Even in the youth group that I grew up in, there were so many cliques, depending on a lot of times how much money your family had. That's not of God's Word. We're supposed to be of God's Word, not of the world. God uses His Word to renew our minds. The, the Greek word there is where we get the word today, metamorphosis. I think about a caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out a butterfly, completely transformed into something different. I think that's what the gospel, what the, the Bible teaches is the process of sanctification. I, I remember early on, been walking with Christ for probably six or seven months, and I was having an argument with an old friend that uh, felt like I have, had abandoned them. And I didn't mean to abandon a lot of my old acquaintances, um, but I, I wasn't doing the same things. I didn't see things the same way. And what they told me was, that church you're going to has brainwashed you. I got to thinking about that later. I thought, well, it's not the church. I mean, God is definitely using the church to help sanctify me, but God, by His Spirit through His Word, is washing my brain, if you will. It's renewing my mind. And the way that I want to see things, people ask me sometimes, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And I'm like, well, I need to know what the Bible says because that's what I want to think about. It. I, want to, I want to think about the world the way God tells me to think about the world. I want to think about racism the way God tells me to think about racism. I want to think about pandemics the way that God tells me to think about calamity. You know, I think that one of the ways God renews our minds and remind, reminds us to look towards His mercy is through various trials. He uses trials to stretch us and to grow us and to remind us of our desperation on Him. So here's my encouragement to you. Do you want to know what God's will is? Get into the Word. It says that be transformed, verse 2, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What's God's will? It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. It's pleasing. God's will is perfect. The way to know that is for Him to renew our minds by His Word. Don't read your Bible out of religious duty. But why, before you open it up, pray, God, I want to meet with You. I want to hear from You. I want my mind to be renewed. Show me Show me sin that needs to be confessed and repented of. Show me new habits that I need to instill into my life. God, show me who you are. Teach me, God, who you are. Meet with me and open up the Word and read it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line by line, and soak up the truth of God's Word and allow the truth of God's Word to renew your mind. Now here's what has to happen for that to work. We can't just be hearers of the Word. We must be doers of the Word. And I think that as you do that, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is according to His Word. And the motivation has got to be 
His mercy. His gospel. So tonight, really, what I wanted to do was just remind you, brothers and sisters, we serve a very merciful God who is so good to us, who has forgiven us of our sin, who has given us His Son's righteousness, who has adopted us into His family. We can call Him Father. We can lean on Him and rest in Him and trust Him and walk with Him and long for heaven one day when we will be with Him. And as we do that in the right way, it's got to be by faith. I mean, as I've been reading through the New Testament this, these last few weeks, just, just scouring all these different, verses, these different books of the Bible, I see a common theme. First, the Gospel in many of the epistles is explained very clearly. This is what the Gospel is. This is what it means for us. Now this is how we should live. We live by faith. Even our obedience is by faith. We don't do it to earn God's favor. We do it because He has freely given us His favor. And because He has made it possible for us to live in accordance in holy lives. When we blow it, we confess our sins before God and by faith we believe that He cleanses us and restores us from all unrighteousness. And as we do this, our minds are renewed. And as our minds are renewed, our lives look different. And our lives look different, we stand out and people say, man, there is something different about that guy, about that gal. I can't imagine how they could have peace in that kind of a storm. can't imagine how they could stand so firmly when everybody else is going down the wrong path. I can't imagine how they could be so kind to somebody who was so ugly to them. I can't imagine how they could be so gracious and merciful to some, who someone would slander their name like that. I just, how? I need to know more about who they are and how they can live like that. I just need to know. And then, brothers and sisters, we have a chance to tell them about the mercies of God. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, came and took our sin upon Himself and gave us His righteousness. And because of His forgiveness, we're able to forgive. Because of His love, we're able to love. Because of His goodness and His Spirit in us, we're able to have love and joy and peace. Because of His Spirit at work in us, we don't carry out the deeds of the, the desires of the flesh anymore. We don't, we're not slaves of the sin nature but we're slaves of righteousness. We've been set free. So tonight, my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters, remember God's mercy. Seek His face. Allow His Word to renew your mind. Live for His glory as living sacrifices. And be ready to give account for the hope that lies within you. Let me pray for us. Father, we bow before You tonight praising You as the God Most High, thanking You for adopting us into Your family, thanking You for opening our eyes to the truth of the Gospel. God, I pray that if there's any people that are listening to this message who have not trusted You as their Lord and Savior, that You would prick their hearts, that You would grip their hearts, that You would draw them to Yourself. And I pray that You would help us that are in Christ to be awed, that we would just be uh, just renewed, that we would be revived, that we would desire to seek Your face afresh and anew by faith, 
not out of works, but just completely by faith. And God, that you would use that renewal to help us to be excited. And that as we go out and obey your word, that we would be living sacrifices, that you would use our lives to magnify your name and draw people to yourself. We pray these things for your glory. We pray these things for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.